Well, today we conclude this series on prayer. Over the last six plus weeks, we've gathered to hear from God and to be encouraged, I hope, in our conversation with him. My hope is that for each of you, you found new paths to speak with God, new ways in which you can converse with our Lord, to be encouraged in your conversations, both daily, weekly, Because here's the truth. God is listening to you. God is desiring to hear from you. Because you are his beloved children. Each and every one of us, God looks to and waits to hear our voice. Next Sunday, we begin Advent. Advent is the time in which we prepare our hearts, our lives for the most precious, quite frankly, the greatest gift we can all possibly ever receive, and that is his son, Jesus Christ, born in a dark time, in a dark place, but with such an amazing light that I hope for you, you are reminded that no matter what goes on in your life, in your world, that God has given you a light that will shine so much brighter in his son Jesus. But that requires for each of us to talk with God, to spend time in communication with him, to sit with him at the foot of the cross and to open our hearts to him, to trust in him, to say, Lord, here I am. These are my needs today. Too often in ministry, I've talked with folks and asked the question, do you pray daily? And most will honestly say at some point, they'll say, yes, I I pray for the most part. Well, occasionally, weekly, if I have time. And we'll, we'll begin to have a conversation about, well, why is that? Why don't you pray every day? And the excuses of, well, I'm busy or I get lost or... I just forget. But the truth is, there's something much deeper, I believe, within our soul that prevents that. It's much, much, much deeper than just busyness. It's quite frankly a fear of how God might just actually answer our prayers. See, the truth is, sometimes, and we know this, Sometimes God does not answer exactly how we, we want him to answer. Because the truth is, when we go to God a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times we go to the foot of the cross with a prayer need and we say to God, Lord, I know you are mighty. I know you are powerful, but here is my need and here is the checklist of how you shall and will respond to my need. We go to God with the book and say, Lord, okay, here's step one of how you're going to answer my prayer. And when you do that, then you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and oh, Lord, when you're done, this will be perfect, as I have desired it, as I have painted it. But there's something, though, isn't it truth, to recognize that we know, just like I asked the children that sometimes God doesn't quite answer the way we want. Sometimes God doesn't answer at all 
And occasionally, God responds with a resounding no. Or at least a no that we perceive to be a no. I cannot tell you how many times I have prayed to God over the course of my life and God has said no. One of those times was as I began my walk into ministry in the Methodist Church. And I don't know how much you know of the process of becoming a United Methodist elder. But I will tell you it is a process of interviews, of meetings, going before groups of individuals... And it's not just like one interview or two, you know, where you sit around a nice desk. I can remember very distinctly my first interview. I walked into a room about the size of this space, and there were about this many people sitting there. Now, I, now, I exaggerate a little bit, as my wife would say. I, I tend to play on the drama side. But that's how it felt. There was a lot of people there, and I don't know how many, but I tell you what... I could have been talking to a thousand people in that moment. And I I thought to myself as I left that first meeting, and it was a yes, everyone thought I was wonderful, so I was like, good. (laughs) But I thought too, that was great exercise. I never sweated so much in my life. (laughs) But throughout the process of becoming a Methodist minister, you have to go do these things over and over again. And it's years worth of these. It's not like a couple months worth. It it takes three to five, even sometimes seven years to go through this process. One of those interviews was a critical point in my journey. I had traveled from northwest Ohio down to the Dayton area to a church that I had served when I was in Dayton for years. And I went and I went into this room and there were eight colleagues or future colleagues as I like to, to look at them at the time. And I sat down in this room in a chair in the center of the room, not to add any more pressure to myself. And they began to ask me all these questions, one right after another, some very scholarly theological questions, some questions that I scratched my head and wondered, where did they come up with that? But at the end of that 45 minutes of questioning, The gentleman to my right stood and said, well, I'd like to escort you out of the room because we're going to talk behind your back now. And I said, oh, okay. And I kind of expected that, but of course not the way he presented it to me. And he did it with a smile and he said, yes, this is our favorite part of every interview. We get to talk behind your back and we get to tell you we're going to do that. But I'm going to escort you down to the chapel where you can wait. And we walked down and he said, thanks, you know, so far you're doing great. I said, well, thank you. And he said, now, here's the chapel. If you wish to pray while you're in here, go right ahead. I won't interrupt you when when I come back for you. And I looked at him kind of strangely and awkwardly and I thought, well, that was kind of odd. Why did you tell me to go pray in a chapel of all places? And I thought, well, I'll go in and pray. And I had every intent of praying anyways. And I went in and I prayed and thanked God for what a great setting. I, I remember that prayer very distinctly. I prayed to God and said, God, you have created this perfect day. I'm back in a church that I had served alongside of for years. I said, I sat in a room. I felt confident. I knew the answers. God, you gave me the wisdom I sought. Thank you, Lord. And, 
You could not have painted, Lord, for me a better moment. I cannot wait to get back in that room and hear the yes, that ordination is next on my journey. And eventually the gentleman came back 20, 25 minutes later, although it felt like three to four hours later. And he escorted me back in the room and and I sat down in the chair and everyone seemed smiling and happy. And of course I took a big breath. Oh, thank goodness. This is going to be, oh, this is perfect. And, And the gentleman to my right looked at me with a smile and he said, Chris, we just want to thank you for coming today. Listening to your stories and your answers, they were such a blessing to all of us. And I took, oh, thank goodness. That's such a relief. Yet, and at that point, I don't remember what else the man had to say. (laughs) Because I knew what yet meant. He said, no, no, not today. No, not yet. And I... I honestly truly have no recollection of what else he told me. I'm sure he gave me words of encouragement. He told me you know, some really great theological responses. I have no idea he could have given me the secret to some recipe that you know, we all want. But all I heard was no. All I heard was no. And I think sometimes in our prayer lives, that's what we, happens to us. When God says no... We just stop. We just turn our hearts and our ears off. Because it's not what we wanted. It's not the response from God we had painted in our lives. We did not desire God to say no to us. Because we expected God to say yes. God says to Jeremiah in the 33rd chapter, he says to Jeremiah, he says, call upon me and I will answer. And see, that's how we look at prayer life. That if we go before God, God will answer. The problem is we've inserted some words after I will answer. We've inserted and I will answer with a yes. I will answer positively to your need. But the scripture in Jeremiah in that 33rd chapter in the third verse stops with I will answer. There's some other things that God goes on to say, but like myself, even in that moment, I just kind of stopped listening. He goes on to say that he says, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. The challenge in our prayer lives is that we have to go before God knowing that sometimes God will answer no. And sometimes God won't even answer at all. He'll just remain silent. He'll just be quiet. Yet I think we have to recognize that even in that silence or even in that no, there are some great things to take home with, to remember about God. The first is that God can see our path before us. Can see how one choice or one situation impacts another and impacts another. So far down the road that we can never possibly see the future. God has that wisdom that we truly never will have until we reach glory. Yet while here, we must recognize that God's perspective on our lives is much greater than ours. 
much bigger than we ever will have. Book of Hebrews, in the fourth chapter, it says that he, God, knows about everyone and everywhere. Everything is to us bare and wide open. Wide open to the all-seeing and loving God. Nothing is ever hidden from God. Your life in your journey is not hidden to him. The needs and how your prayers are to be answered. Oh, he knows. He sees exactly what is needed. You see, God recognizes that the plans he has for you are far greater than the plans you may ever set for yourself. God recognizes, as he said to Isaiah in this reading, he said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. It's important that when we go before God in prayer, we must go not just in a humble way, but recognize that his answer to our needs are answered in his ways, in his thoughts, and not our own. And that we must remember he is listening. He is listening. Another thing that we must remember is that God's timing for our prayers is and always will be much different than ours. God has an eternity to answer our prayers. Now, I know that may not provide a lot of comfort because I know when we go to God, we go because we need a prayer answered now, right now in this very moment. Not tomorrow, not next month, but right now. And sometimes we get the answer right then and there. And other times we get the answer in a month. And sometimes the answer hasn't yet come. But he promises it will. He promises that because of his love for you. His mighty love for you. Because everything that God does for you and for me is through his grace. His love for us. And we know this for a fact. Because all we have to do is look into that dark cave on a night when darkness surrounded a family. When Mary and Joseph had nowhere to go but to sleep with the animals. To sleep in darkness and to give birth to their son. To give birth to the son of the Most High. And God was there. God was there because of he love for you. His love for each and every one of you. His love for those who don't even know him yet. For those who have said, I turn away from you, God. Because you didn't answer my prayer my way. You didn't answer my prayer in the time I needed it. So, Lord, I don't believe you're there anymore. Some have just never even walked in his steps. And yet he still responds with love. But I also recognize that at times it is hard to pray. It is hard to pray because of the pain that is so great. That we want nothing more than the pain to go away. The brokenness we feel in our hearts. The sadness that we carry. And we want God to take that away so desperately. 
And yet it still remains there. And it hurts. Yet God has given us a way to remain steadfast. To remain strong. And that is through the cross. Because even Jesus, who knew the plan, who knew the journey of pain that He was about to face, went before God in prayer in that garden. Fell to His knees in that garden. And looked to the heavens. And even said to God, take this cup from me. As an example for you and me. To say that even in pain, when we think God will not take away the suffering, we still give it back to Him. Because we can't see the plan that is about to unfold. See, Jesus knew that through the pain and suffering that He was about to endure, far greater things were about to happen. God's glory and His love for His children were about to be revealed. Not just through a cross, but through a tomb. Through an empty tomb. Much like in a dark cave when his light showed up. Going into the garden a little further, Jesus fell to the ground, praying that if possible, he would not have to suffer what was ahead of him. There are many times when we go to God in prayer. If we just look To our Lord, he will show us how to endure. And we can be reminded of God's amazing power in our lives. God's amazing grace. And we can go and ask with great passion, Lord, take this cup from me, for it is too great to endure. And know that while the pain may endure for a while longer, that there shall be an answer to those prayers that we shall see His glory in an amazing way. But it requires great trust. It requires great strength in all of us. For as the rain and the snow came down from heaven, it did not return there until they had watered the earth. See, God tells Isaiah, while your tears may fall from your face, The pain may think it never is going to leave. Know that it will leave. Know that I will bring it back to heaven. Because you are my beloved child. Who I love so, so much. Who I have known since before you were born. Before you were stitched in the womb of your mother. I have known. And I have seen the journey that you will face. Both the joyous moments and the moments of great sorrow and pain. But I know that you shall endure because I shall give you the strength you need. Amen.